Hi everyone, welcome back to Logical Bible Study. This is the podcast where you can always be assured that we'll give you a really solid Catholic academic exegesis, keeping in mind the teachings of the Catholic Church and about how to interpret the Bible in particular, to help you understand what was probably going on on the literal sense of the text. You can be assured that we will always give you a really solid exegesis, no matter what else is happening in the world or in other Catholic ministries. Uh, We're all about just looking at the text of Scripture and helping you understand what it's saying. And today we're looking at uh, a famous passage, and one of the most strangest passages from the Gospel. So Matthew chapter 8, verses 28 to 34. Let's start by reading the passage. When Jesus reached the country of the Gadarenes on the other side of the lake, two demoniacs came towards him out of the tombs, creatures so fierce that no one could pass that way. They stood there shouting, What do you want with us, Son of God? Have you come here to torture us before the time? Now, some distance away, there was a large herd of pigs feeding, and the devils pleaded with Jesus, If you cast us out, send us into the herd of pigs. And he said to them, Go then. And they came out and made for the pigs. And at that the whole herd charged down the cliff into the lake and perished in the water. The swine herds ran off and made for the town, where they told the whole story, including what had happened to the demoniacs. At this the whole town set out to meet Jesus, and as soon as they saw him, they implored him to leave the neighbourhood. So, the famous passage of the Gadarene swine. Let's start by thinking about the context. Jesus has just begun to do various healings in the Galilee region, if you look at Matthew chapter 8. And in the previous night, he and the disciples had set sail from Capernaum on the western shore of the Sea of Galilee, and they'd set uh, set sail for the eastern side, and it's that night that they had been caught in the storm, and where they had to wake Jesus up and Jesus calmed the storm. So that had actually all happened the night before this. So now they arrive on the other side of the shore, which is the country of the Gadarenes. So we're on the eastern shore now. Gadara was part of the Decapolis, so part of the ten Gentile cities on the eastern shore of the Sea of Galilee. It's about six miles southeast of the sea, but he's not in Gadara, he's in the region of the Gadarenes, so he's on sort of the shore region. Jesus has just entered a Gentile area, and that's significant because he's mostly been doing, in fact, exclusively in the Gospel of Matthew, he has been doing Jewish ministry. So this is his first excursion into Gentile territory. Two demoniacs met him. So these are people who are possessed by evil spirits. It's worth mentioning, often in our day and age, we're not comfortable with this idea that people can be possessed by spirits, but that's clearly the biblical view. The Jews in Jesus' time knew that that was a real possibility. In fact, many of them came to Jesus to be healed. Notice that they come to meet him. Jesus doesn't go to the demoniacs. So that probably indicates that the evil spirits, the demons, detected the Messiah's presence straight away. And they're territorial creatures, so they feel threatened and they go straight for him. They came towards him out of the tombs. So these men are living in the tombs. They appear to be completely demon-possessed. And the demons are choosing to live in the tombs. Keep in mind that tombs are unclean areas for Jews. 
So Matthew is highlighting this specifically. If you go there today to the Gadara region, there are still many caves on the shoreline, which we know were used to bury the dead. And apparently demons like to hang out around graves. And Matthew tells us that these creatures, the demons, were so fierce that no one could pass that way. So people couldn't go past on the road because the demons would attack them, basically. Now, Mark's version of this, he says about the demoniacs, no one could secure them anymore, even with a chain. No one had the strength to control them. So people had tried to control these demon-possessed people, but they're too strong. They keep breaking out of the chains. This is a very serious demonic possession. Apparently, these were quite violent vocal demons, and despite the community's best attempts, they couldn't restrain them. It's possible, remember that this is a Gentile area, and they probably don't, well, possibly don't believe in demons, so they may not realize that these men are demon-possessed. They think that maybe the men are just crazy, and that's why they're trying to restrain them. But the Jews, of course, know better. So as soon as Jesus steps foot on the area, the demonic powers, which are in charge of that area, immediately challenge him. They're defending their territory, basically. And they stood there shouting at Jesus. What do you want with us, son of God? Mark's version makes it clear that they're right up in front of him here. In fact, they may be kneeling on the ground when they say this. What do you want with us, son of God? So at this point, they actually appear to be genuinely afraid. They're surprised that the son of God has appeared to them so early and they're afraid. Why are they afraid? Well, let's talk a bit about it. Firstly, they're supernatural creatures, so they know more about Jesus' true identity than even the apostles do. So they recognize that Jesus is a higher spiritual being. They know that he's the Son of God. Jesus has not used this title of himself yet exactly, but the demons know that he's the Son of God. Some scholars have suggested that maybe they're not actually afraid. Maybe they're trying to manipulate Jesus in a way, so they're kind of groveling at his feet And they're saying, son of God, they're using his title in order to manipulate him. There's this Jewish belief that if you use someone's true name, their hidden name, then you can manipulate them. So maybe the demons are trying to manipulate him. I think that's less likely, though. I think that they are actually genuinely afraid of Jesus because of what they say to him next. They say, have you come here to torture us before the time? So the time here is a reference to the ultimate judgment day. The demons know that one day God will overthrow them and torture them on the judgment day. The demons know that, that their time is short and one day they'll be judged. They believe, as did many of the Jews, that when the Messiah comes, and that's it, that's judgment day, they don't realize that there's going to be a gradual overtaking by the kingdom of God. They think it's going to be immediate. So they think that since the Messiah has arrived, they recognize the Son of God has arrived They think the day of judgment has come and they're afraid because they know that they're going to be cast into hell, basically. So that's all they say to him here. Now, Mark's version of this, which is at the start of Mark chapter 5, has a longer conversation here between Jesus and the demons. So if you want to hear the long version, have a look at the start of Mark chapter 5. Verse 30, now some distance away, there was a large herd of pigs feeding. So pigs aren't often mentioned in the Gospels because they're usually not kept in Jewish territory, which is where Jesus spent most of his time. But here we're in Gentile territory, so there's people looking after pigs. There's various aspects of uncleanness 
Jewish uncleanness in this story. Let's think about it. We have demons, which the Jews consider to be unclean, and then graves and pigs as well. So Matthew is most likely including all of these unclean details to show to his readers that Jesus has indeed come to make all things clean, which would be um, important for the Jewish hearers to know that because they were quite um, interested in, in cleanliness, ritual cleanliness. Verse 31, so the pigs are nearby, and we know from uh, Mark's gospel that there's 2,000 pigs in this herd. It's a huge herd. So the devils pleaded with Jesus, if you cast us out, send us into the herd of pigs. Notice this, the demons know that they're probably about to be cast out of the men because they know that Jesus, the Messiah, can do that. But they would prefer to inhabit the swine rather than be sent away completely. They, From their perspective, it's better to at least be in an animal rather than to be sent away from their beloved territory that they have dominated So this tells us that demons can, in some cases, inhabit the bodies of animals, though they prefer not to. They can do it. This is a clear teaching here in Scripture. Verse 32, Jesus said to them, go then. Notice Jesus gives them permission. He doesn't say, no, I'm not going to let you into the pigs. He says, go then. Why does he allow them to go into the pigs? Well, there's lots of different theories. Some have suggested it's so that Uh, The apostles know that demons have real power and that they can, in fact, possess animals. Perhaps it's to show the apostles that he has power over spiritual forces. All of that could come into this. But what's interesting about this is apparently the demons could not inhabit the pigs without his permission. Apparently, if Jesus just cast them out of the men, the demons would not be able to go into the pigs themselves. They would need the permission of Jesus in order to do that, which tells us Who is the ultimate boss of demons? It's Jesus. We need to keep that in mind. And in fact, exorcists today will tell you that, that uh, to a certain extent, or at least understood properly, demons can only do what Jesus allows them to do. Matthew doesn't give us a full explanation of why Jesus allows it in this particular case, but it does highlight that Jesus has the authority over demons to make things clean. Interestingly, there were other exorcists around this time amongst the Jewish and apparently amongst the Gentile community. And when they did exorcisms, they invoked the names of other famous holy people. For example, the Pharisees, if they did a uh, exorcism or they tried to do one, they would often invoke the name of Solomon. Jesus never does this. He doesn't invoke anyone else's name. He drives out demons by his own word and his own authority, which would have been striking to the original hearers. So they came out and made for the pigs. They go for the 2,000 pigs. No one of the locals are annoyed because they're about to lose 2,000 pigs. And at that, the whole herd charged down the cliff. Now, this doesn't necessarily imply that all 2,000 pigs are each inhabited by a demon. It it does not necessarily imply that there's 2,000 demons here. But apparently at least some of the pigs get possessed here. And as a result, the herd as a whole gets spooked and they run off the cliff. Now, notice there's something here that we often miss. If the demons could really control the pigs, they wouldn't have run off the cliff. It shows that the demons don't have full control here. They try to control the pigs, but the pigs get scared and they run off, um, which probably causes the destruction of the demons, presumably, when they land in the water. So they land in the lake, the Sea of Galilee, that Jesus just came out of, and they perish in the water. 
So Jesus has come out of the Sea of Galilee. Now the demons end up in the Sea of Galilee, and that's probably where they perish. Certainly the pigs perish there. Verse 33, the swineherds, or the shepherds, ran off and made for the town where they told the whole story, including what had happened to the demoniacs. They tell it to the whole area, apparently, because within a couple of hours, or perhaps even a couple of minutes, people start to come and look at the scene of the crime. Keep in mind these are Gentiles. They probably have never seen demonic activity like this, or they've never understood it as demonic activity, and they certainly haven't seen exorcisms like Jesus the Messiah has just done. So they are, possibly the locals are freaking out about what's just happened. Verse 34, at this, the whole town set out to meet Jesus. So the whole Gadarene region uh, comes and looks to see what's happened. And Mark's version of this, which is a bit longer, tells us that the locals come and see the demoniac men cured and their immediate reaction is not to glorify God. They're actually afraid. In some cases, the crowds come and they see a miracle and they glorify God. But here, they don't know what to make of it which makes sense because they're Gentiles and they don't fully understand uh, demonic possession and exorcism, so they're afraid. As soon as they saw him, they implored him to leave the neighborhood. So they beg Jesus to leave. Again, they don't understand the nature of demons and exorcisms. All they know from their perspective is that this man, Jesus, has come along, he's worked some sort of strange sign, and as a result, a whole lot of their pigs are now dead. So from the townsman perspective, it makes sense. They want Jesus out of their area because he's just destroyed a whole lot of their livelihood. It's possible that they also don't want to think deeply and spiritually about what they've just seen, because if they do, they might have to come to grips with the fact that God is real and they might have to change their lives. We know from Mark's version that Jesus agrees to leave the region. Mark's version also adds one more little detail at the end, which is that one of the men begs Jesus to take him along on the ministry. But Jesus says, no, I want you to go and tell the townspeople what has happened to you. So it's well worth reading this passage today in conjunction with Mark's longer version at the start of Mark chapter 5. Now, normally we'd look at catechism passages to see what the catechism has to say about this, and it would be good if we actually had uh, some catechism passages that reference this, but there are actually none that refer to Matthew's version of this um, exorcism, though, of course, there's lots of Catholic theological writings which talk about the significance of this event. We'll leave it there for today. Thank you once again for listening, and hopefully you'll tune in again tomorrow. 